To get ad-free versions of Bizarre Albums, weekly bonus episodes, and more, visit patreon.com slash bizarre albums and sign up to become a patron. This show is 100% independent, and Patreon is a great way to help keep the show afloat. So visit patreon.com slash bizarre albums. Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, coming out of their shells from 1990. The city itself will be our playground to use as we please, rewarding ourselves and punishing our enemies. We've been looking for you, Miss O'Neill. There is a new enemy, freaks of nature. Together, we will punish these creatures. What the heck was that? Looked like sort of a big title in a trench coat. On March 30th, 1990, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was released in theaters. The movie was based on the comic books of the same name, created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird in 1984. There's a lot to get into today, so I'm not going to get too much into the backstory of the early days of the Ninja Turtles. If you want that, I highly recommend watching the Ninja Turtles episode of The Toys That Made Us on Netflix. They covered it much better than I ever could. So after being passed up by just about all the major film studios for distribution, halfway through production, New Line Cinema became the distributor of the film. They were still a small independent company at the time. On its opening weekend, it finished number one at the box office, grossing more than $25 million. It was the biggest opening weekend ever for an independent film, a record it held until 1999 when it was broken by the Blair Witch Project. Worldwide, the Turtles ended up being the ninth highest grossing film of 1990. And the timing of the film's success could not have been better for a New York-based musical theater performer named Bob Bijan. But let's rewind a bit to 1989. Bijan had found a little bit of success working as a freelance composer and musician. He'd gotten the idea to write a stage show for kids that could also be compelling for adults. Around this same time, a friend had given him a copy of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles graphic novel. Bijan thought the Turtles would be great for a stage show. He started brainstorming with his friend, another composer named Godfrey Nelson. Those brainstorming sessions quickly led to four songs being written. It seemed like it was coming together easily for the two. But there was just one problem. They didn't actually have the rights to use these characters. So they just cold-called Turtle creators Eastman and Laird. And in January of 1990, they traveled to Massachusetts to officially pitch the idea and play them some songs. Eastman and Laird said, Let's do it. Now there was just one problem. Bijan and Godfrey needed $50,000 for the licensing rights. In a 2020 interview with GameSpot.com, Bijan said, quote, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal about Stephen Lieber, who was ultimately going to be my partner on the producing side. But I read in the Wall Street Journal that he was bringing the Moscow Circus to Broadway and to the United States, and I literally cold-called him. End quote. Stephen Lieber was a manager and producer with his own management company called Contemporary Communications Corps. 
Here he is on the Making of the Coming Out of Their Shells Tour VHS. Bob was telling me all about this incredible group that was playing on the ground in the sewers of New York, and it was the most exciting thing he said he's ever seen. Of course, we managed some of the biggest rock and roll bands in the world, Aerosmith, ACDC, Ted Nugent, the Scorpions. We, we knew that something new and exciting had to happen in the 90s. Bob told me about this group, the Ninja Turtles, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, I couldn't believe that they were going to sing. And Bob brought me down. What I saw was incredible. It was the most unbelievable, best new rock and roll band I had ever seen. I just had to sign them. Okay, so the making of VHS isn't all that helpful because it's more of a mockumentary where they act as if the Turtles are real and an actual band. It's similar to the HBO Return of Bruno special, if you heard my Bruce Willis episode. But the part about managing Aerosmith, ACDC, and Scorpions, that is true. But anyways, that cold call worked. Lieber wrote a $50,000 check and secured the rights to all music, video, live touring, and merchandise. So now, a new problem arose. They had no budget to actually produce the show or even make an album. They started calling the heads of marketing for all the national pizza chains. It just made sense. The Turtles were known for their love of pizza, though it wasn't always that way. The original comics released by Mirage Studios had a much darker tone, and pizza had been mentioned a few times here and there, but it wasn't until the animated series that began in 1987 that pizza became part of the Turtles' identity. Well, hang on, dudes! Here comes the cavalry, bringing marshmallow, octopus, and chili pepper pizza! All right! At last, we can do some serious deep dishing! Their love of pizza was also written into the 1990 live-action film, which by now had been released and was a huge hit. The Turtles had hit the mainstream, and Pizza Hut was eager to join forces and sponsor the tour. Pizza Hut gave them a $9 million budget for the album and the production of the show. In addition to that, they committed to a $20 million advertising campaign. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Rock and Roll! And only Pizza Hut has their great new cassette with 10 bodacious Ninja Turtle tunes. Get a cassette for your kids for just $3.99. Hey, act fast and get a most excellent autograph poster. An official tour book absolutely free. But hurry, because this is one rock and roll deal that's too awesome to miss. All of the pieces were in place. The cast was chosen, an album recorded, and an opening date for the tour approached. So in August of 1990, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Coming Out of Their Shells was released on MCA Records. Since the album and the tour would go hand in hand, I'm going to be talking about both throughout this episode. Both the album and the tour were called Coming Out of Their Shells, though the cassette, it was only released on cassette by the way, says Coming Out of Our Shells on the Spine. The cover and the actual cassette both have the correct title, only the spine reads coming out of our shells. That's a first on the show. Coming Out of Our Shells is the name of the album's opening track, however. Oddly, the album version is different from what appears in the live show. That version was released as an extremely rare single that was in some Pizza Hut jukeboxes, labeled Coming Out of Our Shells, parentheses, rock version. They would even perform that version on Live with Regis and Kathy Lee in September. But here's a little bit of the album version. Out of our shells Out of our shells We're coming Out of 
Someday it's got to come through. That's why we're here and we're telling you true. Lead vocals on that track were by Scott Maynard, who performed as Raphael. He also gets the lead vocal on track two, Sing About It. When the home video of the live show was released, for some reason Sing About It was left off of the VHS. Track three is Tubin, performed by Bob Bijan himself as the voice of Michelangelo. He's the only performer whose voice was also used in the live performances. In fact, for the tour, Leonardo and Splinter were voiced by the same actors from the animated series. Godfrey Nelson is the voice of the turtle's adoptive father and master, Splinter. Their mutant rat sensei gets a song of his own, Skipping Stones. Turtlepedia, the Ninja Turtles wiki, has a summary of the live show that reads, The Ninja Turtles have decided to travel around the world to meet their fans face-to-face, singing songs they wrote, such as Coming Out of Our Shells, Pizza Power, Skipping Stones, Walk Straight, and Tubin. Though while the Turtles are enjoying their time singing and dancing for the fans, Shredder decides to make an attempt to stop the Turtles from making people happy. Shredder, with the help of Baxter Stockman, comes forth with his D-harmonic convergence converter. Using this device, they will steal all of the music in the world. It also weakens the turtles if they stand in front of it. Once Shredder arrives on stage with the D-harmonic controller, the turtles have to retreat and come up with a plan to save the day. Shredder even has his own song in the live show, the hilariously titled I Hate Music, but it was left off the album. You can see it in the home video release of the show, and you can find that on YouTube. I'll post some clips on the socials this week, so make sure you're following at Bizarre Albums. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Shredder appears here and there throughout the 90-minute live show. At one point, he's just doing crowd work with the little kids in the audience. What's your name? Huh? Peter? Is that your sister? Friend? Huh? Cousin! Cousin? What's the matter? Couldn't get a date? Sick burn on that six-year-old Shredder. Sick burn. been practicing for a year because they didn't want to play out until they were really ready to play and we had to make all new instruments michelangelo has to play three fingers tuned to an open <coughs> e because it's hard to do anything but bar chords when you only have three fingers but uh we're ready to come out of our shells and we're excited about opening here and starting the north american tour at radio city that's bob bijan at a press conference for the tour that appears on the making of vhs if you've seen that vhs you may notice the turtles looking a little different than they do in the actual live performance so this was all filmed before the tour actually began during some rehearsals. The reason for the different look is because during the first full costume rehearsal, two of the four actors playing Turtles passed out during the show. The suits were just too hot, so they were redesigned, removing their shells and replacing them with some very 90s denim vests. During that same press conference, David Novak, the senior vice president of marketing for Pizza Hut, gets a turn on the mic. We're just absolutely thrilled to get the world's most famous pizza eaters to hook up with the number one pizza company in the world. Pizza Hut will launch the most aggressive promotion ever done in the record industry to support the Turtles' new music, which I'm sure uh, all of America will love. That heavy promotion included advance work for the tour, where different performers would wear the turtle costumes, traveling to the different cities that had upcoming tour stops, and they would appear at places like malls or pizza joints to meet kids and promote the tour. Two of the performers on that promotional tour would end up having their own MTV show just three years later. Robert Ben Garant and Michael Ian Black from the sketch comedy series The State. Hi there. I'm an on-air personality. You know, after a tough day shooting my hit television series, The State, there's nothing I enjoy more than having some unprotected sex. <laughs> The album and tour promotion also included an appearance on The Oprah Winfrey Show. Okay, let me ask you this, Michelangelo, Michelangelo. Yo, baby, what happened? Yeah, what What instruments What instruments uh, do you play? Oh, well, you know, like I sing, uh, I sing lead vocals and I play lead guitar, babe. You know, I tuned, I got a three-string guitar. It's totally happening. Wow. <laughs> Yo, cowbunga, dude. Cowbunga, dude. <laughs> Okay, Leonardo, Leonardo yeah. what, what instruments you play? 
Well, like, I play the bass, one string guitar, and it's hooked up totally awesomely to this microphone here, and I'm just jamming all the time. Hooked up remote when it's time to boogie, you know what I'm saying, it just goes all the way. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah. Raphael, Raphael, what instruments you play? Yo, you know, Oprah, I started out playing saxophone, but I found yeah. out that you can't sing and play a sax at the same time, so now I play drums. It's all really, right. It's like an, you know, an evolutionary thing, Oprah, you know what I mean? I gotcha. Totally. I know what you mean. And we know, we know, we know, know. we know. Donatello, Donatello, yeah. what do you play? Yo, I play the synth. I made every one of these instruments, man. Gearhead Supreme, that's what they call me. Some of the actual musicians that played on the album were longtime James Taylor bassist Jimmy Johnson, who also helped create one of the first ever five-string bass guitars. Guitarist Michael Thompson who played on another bizarre album from 1990, The Simpsons Sing the Blues, as well as another bassist named Barry Johnson, who in 1983 sang lead on a song by Kenny G called Hi, How You Doing? One of the other vocalists worth mentioning is Frank Sims, who sang as Donatello. He was the voice of the Kool-Aid Man for 15 years. In the 90s, he sang the TV Funhouse theme song on Saturday Night Live. April O'Neil, the Turtles human news reporter friend, gets her own song too, simply titled April Ballad. April was played by Dana Kalitri, a singer who's worked with artists like Celine Dion, Elton John, and Train. She also appeared on that Oprah episode for the most awkward moment of the whole episode. Let me ask you this. Do you sometimes wish that April was a turtle? Whoa, definitely. Oh, conceptually, that works for me. You know, I... Mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, where you going? Oprah, I'm going to crack myself up. <laughs> Oprah, I've been okay. trying to talk her into an interspecies relationships for months now. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> yeah, man. And she won't do it, she huh? No, no, she can't do it. it. The album's producer is credited as being the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Bob Bijan, Godfrey Nelson, and for some of the songs, Keith Forsey. Forsey has been the longtime producer for Billy Idol. In fact, Forsey is best known for writing a song that was originally intended for Billy Idol, but later became a huge hit for Simple Minds. Forsey also co-wrote the album's closer, Count On Us. The tour officially began on August 17, 1990, and the first performance was actually broadcast on pay-per-view. The pay-per-view's pre-show included a character named Kip, acting as a news reporter for Channel 6 during the show. Kip was played by actor David Ruprecht, 
who you may remember as the host of the 90s revival of the game show Supermarket Sweep. A few of his scenes do appear on the VHS, but most were only seen on the pay-per-view. Supposedly, the album went platinum, according to the Oprah episode anyway, and an LA Times review of the live show even said the album had already gone double platinum by November of 1990. But reviews were mixed, even on the Oprah appearance. I have your soundtrack. You, you have their soundtrack? Do you dig it or what? Do you dig it? The child shakes his head no. You don't dig it. What? Oh, wait a minute. Come on, total bummer. you got to get a grip on yourself, kid. Despite its mixed reviews, it hasn't disappeared. In 2019, a 7-inch was released featuring Pizza Power and Tubin for Record Store Day. And in July of 2020, as a part of San Diego Comic-Con, NECA Toys released a four-pack of action figures that featured the Turtles in their coming-out-of-their-shells attire and their instruments. I also need to add that this is probably the most heavily requested album for me to cover on the show. The tour covered the United States over multiple legs. There was even two international touring companies. And the tour was successful enough to lead to a smaller concert that ran at Six Flags Great America called Getting Down in Your Town. But that didn't get an album. It was only a live show. But Coming Out of Their Shells wouldn't be their only album. In 1994, a Christmas special was released entitled We Wish You a Turtle Christmas. And it also had an accompanying album. But that is for another time. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums. And I'm at Tony Faxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at BizarreAlbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums.